0: How about Bowling that, for the first time officially since 2014. I know we went in 2021, but we didn't get the required amount of wins. We got that weird back-end rule where if you're 5-7 and seven and have the highest APR and a team backs out, our team doesn't make it. Uh, so it feels great to do it in October, too, just to have the yeah, rest right? of the season as, as house money for the for the team because That's you can right. tell the last two years that you They got close. They got to eight wins and five wins with a couple games left. I'm sorry. They got to four wins and five wins with a couple games left. And it's just so much pressure on the team every single game to have that pressure alleviated. Uh, I think they're going to be playing loose. You get a a bye week, you know, to get rested and uh, prepare for the home stretch. Big home game on November 4th against Ohio State. Anybody who can make it needs to be at that game. That is going to be the best atmosphere of the season. Uh, for, a poss- for a most likely uh, undefeated Ohio State team, I think this is the best shot we have uh, against Ohio State since we joined the Big Ten. <laughs> but let's not get too ahead of ourselves. <laughs> no, far ahead of not. ourselves. Uh, this was uh, not the prettiest game, but it doesn't matter. A 17-point win in Big Ten opponent in Big Ten competition is a 17-point win. I am over the moon not only because we're bowl eligible, but for my wallet. There you I go. bet this game everywhere I could. I got the line at four and a half. I bet it again at five and a half. I took an alternate spread of nine and a half and 13 and a half and uh, tied those into a bunch of parlays too for later in the day and for NFL Sunday. So good weekend for uh, for Mikey here.
1: Set you up nicely.
0: Yes. Sure did.
1: Yeah, Indiana sure did. Tom Allen had some really ugly trends going into this game that worked in our favor. And then, of course, going bowling and, and what that meant. And, and, you know, gambling, uh, a lot of times the hard part is not knowing if the team you're gambling on is going to come mentally ready to play in the games. And sometimes they don't, but you, but when you know, and it's not like every time, you know, it's going to count and you're going to win, but it helps an awful lot when you know that your team has something to play for, especially that big.
0: So, and, and when we, when Richie and I interviewed the, uh, the Indiana guy from Hoosier huddle. He said, basically like this team, you give, you punch them one time and they're not going to be able to, to come back from it. They're just going to fold. And that's kind of what happened. Um, I predicted a first quarter turnover that would, uh, turn the game. It ended up being a second quarter turnover. It was the blocked kick. But even then we, we, you know, we, we looked a little shaky, uh, to end that first half, we obviously got the, the muff punt and we got the field goal to put us up at the half. But, uh, you know, the offense was very inconsistent in the first half. Gavin came out, and I thought Gavin looked te- like uh, Gavin looked incredible in the first quarter. You know, he was throwing dimes. He was looking very decisive and confident. He only had four dropbacks in, like, the first, I want to say, 20 minutes of the game. Um, one of those was complete. Two of them were dropped, and the other, everybody was covered. And you don't see him do this often, but he decided to tuck it and run on a design pass play. And he got a first down out of it. So I thought Gavin started out the game really well. Um, He did have three or four drops early on. And then later in the first half, he had three or four really poorly thrown passes to wide open receivers. Yeah. Those are always going to come. Yeah. They had that Deshaun Benjamin wheel route where he was wide open. (sighs) He had nothing but grass in front of him. One of the fastest guys in the big 10, you get him in open space like that. He might still be running at this point. Uh, He misses a wide open Johnny Langan. Over the middle he sailed it over his head he missed a wide open jacquette jackson you're in the red zone just like a lot of if it's not one thing it's another on the offense it seems the only constant is kyle mf and manungai oh yeah that guy is such a stud i think we all had a you know we were we were all dilating in <laughs> the behind when manungai got hurt and he was down Whoa. thankfully on the replay it wasn't a twist of the ankle. It wasn't a twist of the knee. It looked like, honestly, he got hit on the shin really hard. So his his shin's probably going to be bruised up, but he was able to return to the game, obviously. Um, just he's the most indispensable guy on the team. I know people point to Gavin, and he has ran the offense pretty well, but you lose guy, you lose your oh, offense. Oh, without question.
1: Yeah, I mean, Gavin, yes, he had a big running game, and he's got a lot of rushing touchdowns, but come on. I mean, uh, besides that. They can't he, – he can't run the ball unless Mononga is suckering the defenders over to him. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. If, if they get yep. a key on Wimsat, he's not going to do anything. And he hasn't been throwing the football with success. And, and and just imagine, like you said, I mean, they're up 17, 14 at the half. And they had all of this dominance on the ground. And yet, when it really came down to it, I mean, look at the final stats. Wimsat was 5 of 12 for 39 yards. You would think that with the yeah. success they have on the ground, that would open up the passing game, but it, no, it just doesn't happen
0: that way. At least. And I case. do think those stats are a little deceiving. Cause like I said, I do think he had between three and four drops. Like, yeah. Uh, Langen drops. had a couple of them, didn't he? Langen had two. Um, I forget who the others were, but uh, he should have had more completions than he did. Um, I just want to remind everybody in the chat. Thanks for joining us. We have a pretty big crowd today. Uh, if you want to donate or make a super chat, feel free. We appreciate all of those. We have our first one from Delmarva Fishing. Thanks again. Uh, he's been a donor almost every show we've had. The offense, He said the offensive performance was like a $2.00 a two lady of the night. It wasn't pretty, but he got the job done. Yeah, exactly. Uh, as long as it's in the dark, you know, you don't necessarily need to look at anything. You just kind of need to sit back and enjoy. That's kind of what happened. Uh, the defense, I thought, once we kind of, got the ground game really established. IU is just totally defeated. The defense stepped up, ramped up its pressure. Um, I thought we had a few instances of over-pursuit on the defensive line. We had back-to-back games now where the defense just doesn't really look ready to play on the first uh, offensive series for the other team. Three in a row. Three in a row. They just marched down the field, scored a touchdown. But after that, I mean, they really bottled them up. The only time – the other other time they scored in the game – is when we weren't able to convert on the fourth and one and they got the ball at midfield and they marched down and scored uh, but otherwise this defense played phenomenal i think at different points in the game unfortunately a lot of guys got dinged up i hope they're gonna be good the rest of the season but between tyreen powell making plays flip dixon making plays robert Longerby making plays eric rogers came in uh was making plays max Melton you got to give him Big shout-out, too, because I know we've been critical of him, but he made three or four really nice plays in coverage today. They were just totally outmatched, Indiana. Rutgers, I I really felt more confident about them. I thought they were mispriced all week, and sure enough, they showed that they not only belonged, but they were the far better team. I, this game wasn't close. The fr- frustrating part is we were the ones who were yeah. allowing Indiana to stick yes. around in this game absolutely, because we weren't able to get things done on offense, but in the second half, we really kind of turned things on. We're going to talk about that fourth down uh, failed
1: conversion because that, to me, uh, could have been the biggest uh, play or moment of the game, and thankfully it wasn't. Uh, Let's start, first of all, with how it started, and that was, of course, once again, another first drive, and it looked like we were going to get away with it, quarterback scrambling at that moment. you know, As a fan, you're going, all right, well, we got this. He's just going to chuck the ball. He's just chucking the ball, and then you look and go, why is that guy wide open? And so Dixon, I'm not sure what he did. I'm not sure if you thought someone else was supposed to be back there or he just completely lost sight of him. But that was blown coverage or just bad coverage. And when that happened, it was just that's what you just don't want to see happening because it's a bad team. You know, you're better than that. You don't want to give that team any sort of confidence or feeling that, that this could be a game that they could possibly win. Unfortunately, that's what happened. But what really was nice to see was the response drive where they just hammered the running game uh, with a 15-play drive. 67 of the yards were on the ground.
0: Yep. That was awesome. That was a nice drive. That was a great drive. I think it might be the longest drive for Rutgers of the season in terms of the number of plays. Um, 15 plays, uh, eight, eight minutes and nine seconds on that drive for Rutgers. Just You couldn't ask for more. They who just, did they remember? They from, had a
1: couple of drives like that against some. I forget which team it was. Early in the season,
0: I think Northwestern. Was. They had. I, I put out a stat. I want to say it was they had like two drives of fifteen plus yards all of last season, and then literally the first two drives of twenty twenty three, both against Northwestern. Okay, for fifteen plus plays. There you go. So right. uh, we got another donation too from Pimatte Poisset. He said. Gavin Wimsatt's best pass and most important might have been the fourth and four. Yeah, yes. I agree that fourth and four to Christian Dremel, who, I mean, he, they got to just stick with a number for that guy. Because last week <laughs> yeah. it was 47 on the part return. This week it was 83 on, I don't know at, at one po- what point that went on, but he was number 83 without a nameplate for a bit. Um, yeah, that was a, a laser when you really needed to have it because he had missed a bunch of passes prior to that in a row. So it was nice to, to finally see him connect Uh, Great pass. Um, It must have it down. Um,
1: Yeah, I'm I'm going to keep going through here. I'm going to, by the way, let me know if if, if we get a delay now uh, because I'm going to go ahead and show you and everybody else the plays. I got some of the big plays here on Twitter. So we'll start, first of all, with the Rutgers touchdown run that tied the game up. So let me uh, cue that yep so there it is and i can probably move this over somewhere else like that yeah let me put it up there now let me put it down there okay anyway you can see it there it is there's a touchdown run that was the easy one i capped it and by the way of course they called the first touchdown back and this was a little bit of a theme uh there were several times when it looked like rutgers had either accomplished the first down or accomplished something and he took it away from us and we can go into that because uh, we've got some of that to talk about but yeah, that was really nice to see. Uh, but then right after that, I might as well just segue into the, to, to the big play here, which is the, uh, the pump block
0: t- touchdown right there. Yeah, that was the play of the game. Um, I was wondering at what point this would happen because Rutgers has gotten close this year on a few different occasions on blocking a punt. It's, it's a staple of Greg Shiano's yes. special teams. He really takes it, uh, seriously. Not that other coaches don't, but He just sees it as basically a third of your game planning should go towards special teams because it's a third of the actual gameplay. So getting that punt block was kind of a long time coming. Usually you see at least a handful of those. And we could all think of different instances as fans where that became the the point in which it changed, uh, you know, it changed the game. And today it was early on Um, and, I remember reading something on Twitter after that that play happened where uh, you remember last year against Nebraska Rutgers was not able to scoop and score. And then that yes. ended up, you know, falling on the ball at like the 10, they don't score on that, that possession. And that's what ends up being the difference in the game. So apparently they practiced that all offseason in terms of just trying to get <laughs> uh, that nailed down. And sure enough, it was the perfect scoop and score here. I mean, it happened to just land right in Eric Rogers lap, but I mean, you got to take the opportunities when they come to you. And that was one of them. And the defense did it. Um, So kudos to them. That was
1: awesome. And like you said, we have been waiting for that because it is, it should be our staple with the Shiano coach team. And we need that right now, especially in the development of the program and the offense. It's not a blistering offense. It's it's supposed to be defense and special teams. That's going to carry us until we can get the offense going Uh, on a consistent basis. And so, yes, that was just such a relief for that to take place. And that was awesome. Then, uh, Rutgers gets the ball back and we're going to go over the play now about, well, first of all, they had the third and long and they called a running play, which I just, it was almost, I don't know. It was weird. It was almost like, well, they're not going to move the ball much. So we're not going to make a mistake. Let's just run the ball and punt it. I didn't know what that was about, but they had the personal foul and I kept our drive alive. Mm-hmm. And I was like, all right, well, whatever. Yeah. We got a break. So now comes the fourth and two at Indiana's 42. And I'm just going to tell you right now, I wanted them to punt. And I wanted them to punt because of exactly what happened. I did not want to give a team with no offense and a and a bad team at that anything. I don't want to give them any momentum yeah. whatsoever. Just pin them. Pin them at the five if you can. To get the ball back at midfield and you can you you'd be right back where you were. Of course, if they get it, great. I'm happy. But it, it, just, it just didn't work out. And then all of a sudden, the game switched just like that. And it was like, oh, I can't believe they did this. They just put themselves back in a position where now it's a football game again.
0: Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And it's one thing if your offense is kind of like really humming – but at that point everything was just it seemed like once they got 7 points ahead they were like okay let's just run the entire game now we're going to just get out of this game it's yes like, bro you have you have 45 minutes left in this game what are you doing it was so unimaginative they and we I was talking about this on Twitter and it kind of uh, ended up foreshadowing what would happen later in the game there's so many times in the RPO where Gavin has the edge the edge defender bites on the running back and he still hands it off. I and know he's got nothing but green in front of him. I know. And that happened over and over in the first half. And thankfully it ended up working out in the second half. But I mean, if you're just going to run that same play, like defenses are going to key in on it. And that's basically what those, you know, those two drives were, were just the same exact play over and over and over. And because Kyle Manungay has such good vision and because the offensive line is stepped up, it ends up working out. But they're not really plays that are designed to succeed with how we're executing them. It just happens that, you know, we have a really, really good running back with great vision who's able to miss, make a couple guys miss and pick up four yards when you should probably get tackled the line. But
1: yeah, we talked about it I, even the first few shows, I think before you came on, that I, I understood the whole offense. Uh, it's a Minnesota offense, and we're going to run the ball in between the tackles, just. You know, we're going to try to do that as consistently and as best we can. We're not going to move it to the outside because the more you move it to the outside, the more chances for negative plays. So I get that. That's the offense. But at a point, it's just can you just try to run the ball to the outside just once or twice? Yeah. Because every they all know what's coming. And anyway, so but yeah, that 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 just I didn't understand it to give them momentum and it could have cost them. It could have been something where, if God forbid, they would have lost the game. That would have been the biggest play and and it would have been the cause of the loss. But I don't know what any of the viewers think because you all had your opinions before they went for it. I don't know what everybody out there thought. Did you want to see Rutgers go for it? Did you think they did the right thing or did you think they should have punted?
0: Um, I I thought it was the right call. It's just you got to you got to mix up your play calls a little more than they have. Like that is when you're faking a handoff and then you're running your quarterback, the quarterback. So you're taking time to fake the handoff. And then the quarterback, because we take every snap and shotgun, he's five yards behind the line of scrimmage. So, you know, one of the reasons why the tush push works so well for the Eagles is because you're snapping the ball yeah, and you're just talking about what, how much distance do you need to cover and at most, it's like two yards, Yard. literally yeah, just, just two yards because yeah. you're taking the ball right from where it's being snapped and you're falling forward. When you're taking that snap in shotgun, you're already taking the ball three or four yards behind the line of scrimmage. And then when you do a fake, you're allowing the defense to kind of converge in. So you're giving yourself so little time to cover six, seven yards. It's just physically, like if you're just talking about the the actual like layout of that play, how how far you need to get to make it succeed, it's 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 more daunting than just the yardage would indicate um so that's why i just i don't like the play call why not just run some kind of like if you're gonna do something tricky do play action they're not expecting a pass out of that play just do something where like a tight end leaks out tight end or yeah. line up or line up in like a two back set in some kind of like pony package like there's so much more creative stuff you can do than just the standard rpo long kind of mesh point crap and then sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't but uh, yeah, it looked
1: like somebody might have missed the block. I'm not sure if that's what I saw. looked like the guy in motion might have missed because the, the, that was what happened. And this is something you know. else. Gavin Wimsat, look, obviously he's had a huge game. He's had a nice season with touchdowns. He had the big 80-yard touchdown run and all that. But I don't know if you'd notice, but I, I mean, I've noticed a lot even more in this game. Man, he just goes down real fast. Somebody he gets does. a hold of him and bam, he yeah. is down. And, and it seems like he always guy.
0: falls in like the, the least advantageous way you can. Like There's yes. a lot of running backs that are really good because they just know the exact way they need to fall to gain the most yards. <laughs> yeah. he, f- he falls sideways. and he'll like take a hit sideways. <laughs> it's almost like he gets shot in the shoulder and he falls back or something. Yeah. Um, there was a lot of plays today where it looked like we probably could have gotten the first down and we ended up a half yard short because yeah. of the way he, he kind of fell forward. Yes. Um, we do have another uh, super chat in here. DW Kim says, go are you keep up the great coverage fellows really appreciate that um reading through your, your comments as we go but it's just easier to see the uh the super chats here guys so if you want to get your questions read that's definitely the easiest way and the most appreciated way um yeah no it's uh the first half had me a little bit scared to be honest I didn't really start to feel confident um after that turnover on downs until the muff punt and even then it was like how do we not come out with six in this because know, you know I know we're down at the three yard line with two timeouts and the time at that point doesn't matter but we had like a 30 seconds I believe and I thought the first play uh down in the red zone I thought it was pretty clear Andre Carter jumped off sides for Indiana yes but they only four percent of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions and Temple University is one of them You lose four yards right there and a timeout. So now it's second and goal from like the seven, probably 20 seconds left. You got a timeout left. And then you really kind of – you ha- if you were at the three-yard line, say we get stopped for no gain, say it's an incomplete pass, you can run basically any play out of that. But because we're at the seven-yard line, if you run the ball, you get to like maybe the four, you score, that'd be great. But then you have to use your other timeout. You're really limited as to what your play calls can be. Um, and I think they, they had an incompletion where he threw it way over out, out of the back of the end zone. And then he completes the pass to Christian Dremel at like the four yard line. Yeah. He goes down almost immediately. That's just like, I don't know. I get that you have to get that ball out. Cause I think he had eight seconds left with a timeout. So you got to get it out, whether it be you throw it to a guy or you just throw the thing three yards deep into the back of the, uh, the end zone. But I don't know. I, you I could thought have come that, that red zone play. trip. Uh, I thought yeah. that red trip was a little lame, but yeah. we got points. We went into half up 17, 14. Um, we got the ball coming out of the, the, the second half. And that's where I really thought like this game kind of turned because you come out of the second half, 12 play 75 yard drive, you up know, almost seven minutes a clock. And at that point, that's when they, you could start to see that they were ready to basically quit. Um, yeah, here's nice the.
1: Because... This is the touchdown. I'm gonna to pop that up. Okay. So yeah, that's the touchdown. And go up ten. And Look at that! Another what? That was another six minute plus drive. Yep. Start the second half. And by the way, there was remember the they had the the, per, the personal foul. I, I want to call I'll talk about that. I think that was still in the second quarter. When, when they called that awful pass interference on Rutgers. I don't forget who the player was. Langan, maybe? And then Indiana oh, yeah. guy in the, the same play had a personal foul. Yeah. Yep. And then so it was offsetting. But instead of it should have been an extra 15 yards for Rutgers, because I do – I mean, you're kidding me. You called that pass interference on – I mean, he basically put his hand out. And the guy wasn't even anywhere near the play. And yep. it's just typical crap from the officials – I guess it was fortunate that Indiana's player, what Lewis Moore, I believe his name was, that lost yeah. The game. So they
0: they they lost a lot of key players due to injury and due to uh, due to the targeting rule. Like Lewis Moore, we we were uh, talking to the Indiana guy before the game, and their two safeties were very very good. Um, I think they were they both had multiple interceptions on the year. They were their second and third leading tacklers out the outside of Aaron Casey. So Lewis Moore, he got ejected. Uh, one of their linebacker DB hybrids, you know, hurt his leg early in the game and he was out. Um, so they 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 really got dinged up in this game defensively, and that's part of the reason why Rutgers was just able to kind of cut through them like like you know a hot knife through melted butter or whatever, whatever the phrase is. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, but I'm reading through the chat here to see if anybody's got any uh, And by the way, when you
1: and... mentioned the throw before, that mm-hmm. obviously came on this drive. Yep. The first drive of the second half. And I said the same thing. When it was fourth and four, and he threw the eight-yard pass to Dremel, I, I said that was the best pass of the game. B- because yep. it looked like it was just, whether you want to say the best, play call, combination pass, combination catch. It was like a, a very nice timing that timing situation to it all come together on that drive because we knew getting up two scores in the second half was gonna be just huge and yep. extremely hard for Indiana to win the game at that point. So to keep that drive alive was awesome. And then boom anonguy uh, for ten, whims at for eight, uh Menungai for six and then Wim's at for the touchdown, they're up by ten. So that was nice.
0: Um They got a. The NCAA has to figure out this targeting rule too. Like I, I thought it was a little soft. The one that they called on Indiana, I thought that was super soft. The one that they called on Rutgers, second week in a row, where Rutgers gets a critical fourth down stop, and the offense is on the field. You know, the you know the defensive players and coaches are all jumping up and down. The announcers are talking about what a great play it was, and then hold up. Yeah, we have a buzz in from the upstairs, uh, you know, overlords. They want to take a look at this. And honestly, you could go as film frame by frame of almost yes. any play in a college football game and say that there was targeting in it because it is a violent game. And the targeting rule was only in place to take the most violent, brutal plays out of football because, you know, you can call a 15 yard penalty and it's one thing but you know the targeting role was designed to really kind of make it so it'd be a big deal if you committed something like that and I just if you have to look at something frame by frame to look oh yep in that frame he ducked his head yeah. that's intent it's like are you kidding me like watch the play at full speed and tell me if you think that was a violent intentional helmet to helmet type hit that deserves an ejection because there are plays like that that occur in games I'm not saying at all that player safety shouldn't be a priority because it should, but if you have to look at that with so much granularity that it kind of isn't even clear after you looked at it seven times from seven angles at seven different speeds, I don't know. I think that's total crap, and for them to call it the same exact situation they did last week, I thought was just abhorrent. It was, I don't know, I, I cannot stand when that happens because it's like it's not affecting the play, it's not affecting the game, they, the player didn't over. have intent. Yeah. It's a football play. I'm just so sick of it. Yeah. And so if, especially when they don't call it on the field either. Unbelievable.
1: Yeah. Because it, it almost looked like it was, okay, The somebody in the box sees the replay. Mm-hmm. And he's now going to – because he sees the replay. Not because, like you said, not because of anything that happens during the, during the game – And all of a sudden, not only are they going to change everything, but uh, it's going to happen in such a big way where all of a sudden you're giving them life uh, because I actually, because remember on this, what happened was, and this was after the touchdown by Wimsatt. So what happened was there was no call on Loyal, which was nice to see. You know, he had that really Mm. big PD. The quarterback throws the ball down the, uh, down the (laughs) sidelines. So no call. It's like okay, well, wow, and didn't call that. And then you saw when you saw the quarterback throw the football, you did notice some contact, like I did. It was a wow, he really hit him. Mm-hmm. The first when I first saw it, everybody's running off the field, and I'm writing on my notes. Wow, no call on loyal or on on Collins. I already I had yeah. already wrote it down. I figured that was going to be something that we were going to talk about, and then. Like you said, we come back from commercial break and there we go. And then all of a sudden, oh, of course not. Well, I, I, I wrote down mm-hmm. too soon that yep. they were not going to call that. And, of course, they did. So, yeah, that was yep. annoying. Um, here is the touchdown run. So here is one of the plays of the year. Oh, Absolutely. And we, we,
0: we referenced it a little bit earlier how even at halftime I had somebody uh, – Coach Ed, if you're here, good, good call on this. He said basically he tagged every – Rucker's media person you could think of saying, why don't we ever take the quarterback read on the RPO because it's open all year. The edge defenders have been biting on it all year. Why are we not taking advantage of that? And if you notice on that play, Gavin calls, it's almost like he called audible in terms of, I'm not going to hand it off because for whatever he saw. And then he took that ball, you know, 80 yards to the house. And that was a good um, fake. I was completely faked. And the few times that Gavin has called an audible at the line, it's resulted in some big plays. So I think they should give him a little bit more autonomy to do that. Because if you think to when he called audibles, I think immediately to the Temple game, that 62-yard reception by Jaquay Jackson, that was an audible at the line. and That was a second and 20, I believe, too. This play where he clearly saw something and determined, I'm going to take it, and then all he needed to do was beat one guy, and he did. Um, But this was the true knockout punch, though. Yep. there was still a little bit of feeling that maybe they can get back into this, even though the defense was playing great. Um, the IU offense—they were finding ways to just really shoot themselves in the foot, left and right in the second half. Yeah, they exactly. really couldn't get anything going. Yeah. Um, yeah. I do want to shout out the riot squad, though. Uh, the Rutgers riot squad was at this game, and they had a pretty big contingent. They did get on the field. They did get on the uh, uh, on TV. I sent them a video of that, so <laughs> yeah. I hope they get it. Um, we also have another comment from Delmar efficient, another donation. Thank you very much. I don't know if you guys want to make a video or write a piece on this topic, but rice versus menung similar body style, running style, play style. Um, I could see it. Ray was definitely bulkier and he had better receiving chops, but I could see it. Um, Menunga is guys, probably a, a little bit more slight than Ray. Yeah. Ray was just like a total freaking nature. I want to say he was probably playing in college at like two fifty, like 5'8 and a half, 215, and he just he had everything. Oh, yeah. Even though he didn't really catch a ton of passes in college, the few opportunities he did have to do it, he was excellent. Um, and He was just a special, special player. Um, Matt Millen uh, was on the broadcast once again, and he just kind of made a point to just kind of say insane things uh, like he normally does. Um, he said that Kyle Manungai's vision reminds him of Barry Sanders, who he saw a lot of when he was with the Lions. <laughs> and that just made me face palm so hard because I love Kyle Manungai. I've said it time and again, he's my favorite player on this team. But Barry Sanders is a Hall of Fame, true, like one of yeah. one type player. You can't you can't compare no. Kyle Manungai to, to Dip Barry Sanders. It's just not fair to him. But,
1: but it's nice to hear.
0: Nonetheless. It is. Yeah. It's it's cool. a compliment. So you got to take is. it that way, but it's just Absolutely. a little bit
1: nutty. <laughs> no, no question. And the next step though is to is to make that type of impression in a big game and I'm talking about Ohio State, Penn State. Yep. That's the next step. Is let's see that type of performance win or lose, but let's see that type of performance where most of the nation or a lot of the nation is watching rutgers against because they happen to be playing one of the best teams in the nation that that's mm-hmm. that's that's that if that happens that that that'd be sweet so uh one of the things they also did a lot of in this game and i had to find out and check i think it's a, i think it's a, uh, a team high for this season was the amount of uh pds they had in the game from the defensive backs yeah and the linebackers. Yep. they had nine that's a great point wow uh, Longer beam had three he led, but man, they just, that that's great coverage. And to not get, I don't even know if they had a pass interference. Did they?
0: They did not No. Yeah. So they, they had a couple that were close though. I will yes. get to them that. They, they could did, have thrown. The they flag. did have. Yeah. Yep. But, that uh, was but nice. yeah, I think, I, I think they had a, a huge number against temple as well. If memory serves me correct. Okay. But that was a very impressive performance um by the the defensive backfield for sure um and for those of you who uh have been following the Rutgers basketball scrimmage i just want to put it out there they just lost in double overtime to st john's um they were down 18 points at halftime made a massive comeback uh but they fell short in double overtime but hell of a performance just kind of wanted to shout them out um I was just trying to take a look they took it off while they took off the
1: uh oh wait team stats maybe that'll do it i was taking a look to see if i get the pds here oh they took it off so who was in the scrimmage did everybody play then that's one of those like really important scrimmages before the season
0: yeah this one was uh usually they do it and it's totally closed to the public it's purely just kind of like get your rotations figured out to experiment a bit this one was played at st john's was open to the public they sold tickets uh all the proceeds went to the v foundation okay um so they they raised thousands of dollars for a great cause um and it was a great first test and it has to give them a lot of confidence uh, a lot of things to work on as well but it sounds like uh the game went fairly well um if you were around i know we're doing our live show but at 7 o'clock, Danny Breslauer is hosting a Twitter space to talk everything about the game and give cool. his thoughts on how it went. So uh, I have tweeted out a link to that. And if you if you want it, uh, we could drop it in the chat too. But uh, big, big Rutgers day. Big Rutgers weekend. I yeah. talked about it on the pod on uh, Thursday. Rutgers field hockey is playing tomorrow. Uh, they're undefeated. They're playing the number one team in the nation at 11 a.m. at, at home. Uh, that's Northwestern. If they win, they will win a share of the Big Ten title I do want to talk more about this game. I just want to kind of put all that stuff out sure. there because it's a it's a fantastic weekend to be a Rutgers fan uh, overall. Very nice. Season's only a few weeks away.
1: That's mm-hmm. another opponent, by the way, I would like to see Rutgers play on an annual basis or as much as possible as St. John's.
0: Especially while Patino's there and they'll
1: actually be a, a, a good opponent. I agree. Yeah. So, I mean, it's nice that they're getting Princeton back. But I think the, like, the definites, like every year, should be St. John's, Seton Hall, and Princeton.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, John Boucher asks, "Are you guys allowed to drink when you're doing this?" Uh, yeah, I am. Um, <laughs> I'll donate and invite you guys to my personal RV tailgate next game if you answer. Um, so there's your answer. Uh, we are. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, it's it's not
1: gonna happen. But what if it if any? Because how many home games do they have left now? It's Ohio State
0: and they have two left. They have Ohio State on the fourth. And they have Maryland at home the, I believe that's the weekend of Thanksgiving or the weekend before Thanksgiving. Yeah, the 25th. So
1: it should be that yep. weekend. Yeah, okay. So that's, uh, yeah, that makes sense. 18, yeah, it's actually two days after Thanksgiving. Yep. It's a Maryland game, okay. So yeah, that, that's not gonna matter. But the Ohio State game, if by any chance, Al Michaels happens to cover the game, and there's a miracle finish then you guys will have to do the post game uh, on the premises don't even come back to the studio <laughs> and find a way yeah. to do it with the fans there and take and just take it all in and it may not happen this year of course but one of these years they're going to have one of those wins at home and when it happens you guys are going to need to be there with the fans
0: and- yeah so I'll, i will be at the game so i won't be able to do this this after show because i live uh about an hour and a half away but that game is getting set up to be it's I, I if i had to guess the big 10 tailgate show will be at that game because if you look at the, the games that weekend the weekend of the fourth it's not a super heavy schedule
1: no nope. and i say michigan that purdue, now I, nobody cares
0: michigan michigan purdue penn state maryland we got Penn State, Maryland. We got Iowa, Northwestern. It's basically like what what teams in the Big Ten East are going to be around because nobody cares about the Big Ten West because they're all just terrible for the most part. Um, yeah, so it's Minnesota, no, Illinois, no. Michigan State, Nebraska, no. Indiana, Wisconsin, no. Northwestern, Iowa, no. Maryland, Penn State, maybe, maybe. That would be the only other option. The best, the best combined records is by far Rutgers. Ohio state or I guess not by far, but it is going to be Rutgers, Ohio state. Um, so wouldn't surprise me at all if they're tailgate shows there. I really hope that it's not a 12 o'clock game. I hope it's a three 30 game just because it's going to be a better atmosphere. You get a bit of the night game in uh, that late in the year. Um, I agree. I would rather have
1: the three thirty. I don't even, I, I, and I know the fans probably a lot of fans probably love the night game deal. But I think that could mm-hmm. actually work against you, against like the top teams, because that's yeah. also prime time for them. They're not going to yep. sleepwalk a prime time game. They're going to take it more seriously. And I want I want those teams to be a little bit more like taken, uh, you know, uh, in a situation where you know, it's, hey, it's just another game. It's Rutgers. Yeah. It's, you know, it's it's not dark yet. Yep. Lights haven't come on yet. So yeah, that's just that's just the way I feel about that. But either way, it would be nice. Um, appreciate Josh. Does Josh have something to say?
0: No, he was the the one who asked if we could drink on here. Um, oh, okay. So. Thanks, Josh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, appreciate so, yeah. that, man.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, because it is. It's. Uh, I'll, I'll be honest. I mean, there. Are to- I mean, if I wasn't, if I was not preparing to do this each week, I, I wouldn't watch every play of the game. I mean, because especially with the way this offense gets me sometimes, I get so frustrated as a fan because I get so into it. Like it means so much to me that if I'm mm-hmm. watching something that is driving me nuts in a negative way, I'll just be like, like if they do something and I'm just so frustrated and, I, and I'm like, you know what? I've already recorded this. I can I can fast forward another half hour to see if it's worth mm-hmm. me watching. I would do that but now I don't, I just don't do it anymore. Now it's like, you know what? Got to, got to be for real. Got to be professional. Got to watch every play as much as I can. Got to prep for the show. So we do appreciate anybody out there that appreciates the time and effort we put into this because it's a, uh, it's a busy day too. There's a lot going on right now, you know, even though three thirty games aren't that big right now. Right. I think there's the Tennessee Alabama yeah. game and that's about it.
0: So yeah, it seems like for whatever reason, those, uh, it's either seven o'clock or 12 o'clock are the most desirable time slots for advertisers because a lot of those big noon games on Fox are like the biggest games of the day. And you wouldn't think that they would have them start at noon. I guess the expectation is once you get people sit down on the couch watching your, your, your channel, they're not going to leave it the rest of the day. So you can okay. kind of just like have a few games play on after that. That's, that's my best guess. Um, well, but, I mean, it makes yeah, it is kind of weird too because it is a Saturday.
1: It's early. You would think, well, isn't at the time that the family wants to kind of go out and do things and so forth and so on? But apparently not, you know, because Ohio State game against Michigan's every year at twelve o'clock. The Oklahoma Texas game is at twelve o'clock. Yeah, they put all the big games like you said at twelve o'clock. Like, there's always like if it's a big game at three thirty, it's usually like the SEC game of the week.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yep. So, um,
1: uh, Yeah. Continuing on, just to wrap it up, it was just nice to see towards the end of that game. I mean, I, I wrote down nice PD by Rodgers towards the end zone. Nice. But yep. right after that, the nice stick by Terre on that third down, that dude had to be uh, carry, almost carried off the field after that. Oh, my
0: God. Jalen Lucas, the guy's 160 pounds soaking wet. And <laughs> Muhammad Terre basically uh, gave him, for the Harry Potter fans out there, the uh, the Death Eater kiss. Just totally laid him out and they almost called a, I think they've called a penalty on the play for either unnecessary roughness or defenseless receiver. And he picked it up and on the replay, it's a textbook hit Oh yeah, shoulder right into his chest. You can't, you can't draw it up better it breaks up the play textbook hit on a, on a receiver and it wasn't defenseless. He's still trying to get the ball in. So uh, really glad that it wasn't, a helmet to helmet or a penalty there because it was just like a very very good hit. Yeah, um, I, I think Turei
1: knew it too. I think he knew because if if it was a bigger guy, I think he even hits him a little bit harder. But he didn't even have to hit him yeah. that hard. So yeah. yeah, that was just it. Just looked worse than it was, and that's why the official probably yep. threw the flag. And then uh, after that, there was a nice tackle. I think I think it was Jennings who made the nice tackle on the fourth down pass.
0: Yeah, it was just really yeah that crazy. was. It was like a fourth and six, and they threw it basically at the line of scrimmage, and Jennings saw it immediately, made a square tackle, and it was just like a total Casually walked off the field. (laughs) Casually walked off the field. Um, Somebody asked in the chat, do we agree that Deshaun Benjamin should be more involved in the pass game? I think Deshaun Benjamin should be more involved, period. I think he's our second-best running back right now. I loved Sam Brown last year. He's clearly not at 100%. He doesn't have that same burst. He doesn't have that same wiggle. He doesn't have that same tackle-breaking ability. And it's in large part because he's still not 100%. He he had a pretty bad foot injury that he had complications coming back from. He wasn't able to really get his conditioning right. He wasn't able to take any hits. And it shows. He doesn't look like he's all the way back. I think he will be all the way back by next year. But Deshaun Benjamin, I mean, he is probably – if not the fastest guy on the team, one of the fastest three guys on the team, it's kind of inexcusable they're not utilizing him more. Finding ways they should be, I think Gavin's more, really comfortable throwing stuff towards the outside throwing things short. That's like if you noticed early in the season, some of his best throws were on wheel routes. Today it wasn't the case. But why not run some kind of like two backfield set yeah. where you have the the rip you have the the option to either run it to common guy or throw it off into space to sean benjamin like that's going to be really hard to stop i don't know i think they just need to be more creative and yes i agree that uh sean benjamin should be utilized more because greg himself is even in press conferences said you know he's not getting redshirted we got to find a way to get him more involved that's on me because at some point i think he stopped playing like he didn't get into a game for like two or three games straight and there was some speculation you know maybe he's going to get or a redshirt this year because If you play X amount of games or fewer, you can qualify for a red shirt now, but uh, no, he's going to be playing the rest of the season. His red shirt has been burned at this point. Um, He should be playing more in my opinion.
1: What is the eligibility with those guys? So they have the three of them. Um,
0: So Richie puts out a great article each week. um, uh, Listing the eligibility of freshmen. Okay. Um, And I believe three or four guys have exhausted their eligibility for this year. Um by the way, Aaron Young is he uh, gone next year? I actually think he has one more year if he wants to come back. Okay. Um If he wants to come back, he he might even
1: I mean, do you think he would transfer?
0: I don't think so. Um you never really know though with these guys. Um He's a guy I think we should be using two more. Um yeah. Matt Millen almost blew his top last week when he was wide open uh near the end zone. Um, and when Gavin threw it to Isaiah Washington <laughs> yeah, in the I back. <laughs> and Aaron Young was literally, you know, he could have Throw like ball. moonwalked in the end zone. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But yeah, it, it is. It's their it's their most talented position as far as depth. And it's I understand it's tough, but you would think that at this point, maybe through the bye, maybe they'll be able to figure something out because they have to. And, and also with whims at how inconsistent he is throwing the ball further down the field to his receivers. That's what would work best. If he could figure out a way to just get the ball to the running backs instead. So we'll see. I, I we appreciate those guys all coming back because any one of those running backs could be a starter. In college football, so that's how deep and uh, and and awesome it is to have the backfield, and and we definitely need it. So nice to see. You know, one of the things though, I would like to see we, we we have to do a better job of though defensively is getting more pressure with four men. We're not yeah. getting enough.
0: I think not only getting pressure, but also not over pursuing. Because how many times did it seem like the pocket was collapsing on this guy? and then he just scampers out to the right, rolls up to the left, makes one you know, cut, steps up into the pocket and he's got seven, eight yards, nothing but green in front of him. We just are not great at, we're great at, you know, the first 80% of the rush. We're not great at the last 20%, which is finishing, which is the most important part. So we'll get better at that, but it's, it's slow progress. That's for sure. It's definitely frustrating. when It looks like we got a guy, like, early in the game, that's what happened. It was fourth and, what, seven from the 35? It looks like the pocket's collapsing around uh, their quarterback. He rolls out to his left, and he just launches this, you know, <laughs> total, like, moonshot to Omar Cooper. who had nobody around him, and they hit a wide – they just get, you know, an easy touchdown when it looks like we should have sacked him, but it is what it is. You know, do you think
1: that – Part of that, though, is the fact that Toure is not rushing as much. He's more playing the, the typical
0: linebacker role. I mean I think that's probably part of it, but I think we have a very talented defensive line at least edge, at least a very talented set of edge rushers. Like I think between Aaron Lewis, Wesley Bailey, Jordan Thompson, um, Renee Conga I know is banged up right now. But we have, you know, a group of defensive linemen four, five, six deep. That there's kind of not really a good excuse as to why we're not finishing off rushes. Um, in my opinion, it's just we haven't gotten to the, the guy. A few times it's because of over pursuit. A few times it's because you know we're facing a lot of good mobile quarterbacks. Sometimes it's just like you get your arms on them and you whiff. So
1: yeah, it's kind Lewis. of a lot of different things have the lead. It's three sacks each mm-hmm. to Ray just one and a half Fletcher one. Yeah. That's got a nothing for, uh, like, you know, we've, we've talked about, um, the s- surprise that we haven't seen more from, uh, Hamilton. And, uh, I don't know, I guess it's just the way it is. Maybe he needs another year. I don't know. Um, we all, I guess maybe had higher aspirations, so maybe it'll click for him next year sometimes it does sometimes it takes a couple of years yeah especially statistically like i even remember uh what's his name quinnon williams i mean if you look at him like one year he was just a player and the next year his last year at alabama he went from just being like a guy to being a monster and uh, it happens sometimes you just you need every year of eligibility uh so i hope so It'd be nice um, to have that guy, you know, in that in that. It, it on would that be, line.
0: yeah, yeah. It Monster. would be just nice to have somebody you knew. It's a money down. We're gonna get yeah. to the quarterback, but we don't, and not many teams do. In fairness, but I do think we have a very talented defense in general at all three levels of the defense. Which I think this is the first time you can legitimately say we've got an above-average defensive line, linebacking crew, and secondary. It's It's a formidable unit in general. Um, Somebody asked uh, a lot of hype on Aaron Lewis to start the season, but it seems like he's overrated based on his production. Is it just me? So if you're just looking at specific stats, you could say he's overrated. If you're only looking at, you know, tackles for loss, or if you're only looking at sacks, but I think he led the nation in pressures last year. He was either first or second in pressures, which are, a very important and more telling stat in terms of how good of a pass rusher you are than sacks, because there's sometimes where you get pressure on the quarterback and that forces him up in the pocket sure. and you get a sack from your defensive interior or, you know, he forces them to the opposite side and then your other defensive end cleans it up. The guy putting pressure on is usually the, the biggest reason as to why a play gets blown up. Not necessarily the guy who gets the sack. So I do think those stats can be a little misleading and he is good against the run. You're right. Cinema man. Uh, I think Aaron Lewis is just making a f- a few crucial uh, just mistakes in terms of just over pursuit or, you know, just like silly things. But I think he is a great player still. Um, and he's going to play in the NFL without a doubt. Yes. He has another year. Him and
1: Bailey both have another year, correct? Repeat, they're both juniors?
0: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. There's going to be a lot of guys on this defense that have decisions to make after this yeah. season.
1: Yeah. I'm looking at their Lewis, top 17 tacklers. Are we all juniors or seniors?
0: Yeah. I think the three guys that are most likely to potentially leave are Tyreen Powell, Flip Dixon, Aaron Lewis. Um, I think all three of them are mid-round draft picks or better. And when I say mid-round, third, fourth, or better, or sorry, fourth, fifth or better. Um this is the most talented team in terms of defense or in terms of uh NFL prospects probably since Shiano's first go around or maybe maybe the first flood year first or second flood year where we had like Logan Ryan, Deron Harmon, Steve Baharness, uh uh Steve Longa, like we had a lot of dudes on those teams too. This is right up there though with those teams. Not quite as good as like the, the 06, 07, 08 kind of teams on defense, but Right up there with the 2012 team, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, they're heading in the right direction. There's no question about it. That's why we felt that way when the season began. And it's just a matter of, you know, the quarterback position is the spotlight. and We harp on it all the time. And, yeah, if they had more consistent quarterback play, they could just be that much better. And that's what I do feel they're they're, they're getting towards. The coaching staff is top notch. The overall talent around the team is really getting there. Yeah. I mean, are they missing a superstar first round draft pick? Yes. I mean, will that come? I believe so. But until that comes, I think we're in that next stage. I think we're in that kind of now we're going bowling stage. This is the beginning. And then that next stage is the stage where we can seriously be a top 20 team. You know, can we You know, get this whole conference where we can get the heck away from having to play Michigan, Penn State, Ohio State every year? It looks like that's going to happen sometime soon. So all of that. I think is a really good sign for the future and um, I'm looking forward to the future. And I think it's uh, I think it's bright and it's uh, you know, it is what it is. What happened last time, you know, we pinnacled and then he left, but he's not going anywhere now. Whenever Greg Schiano leaves, he's retiring. That's the end of, that's the end of uh, Greg Shannel coaching. And I don't think as long as things go well here, I don't think he's uh, retiring anytime soon. So um, yep. I think it's going to be a fun ride. And I'm glad I agree. We part
0: of it. I agree. Uh, for those of you who haven't seen it, TJ Hitchings has a, a call to arms on Twitter. He wants to get the let, thank you Jack Mac uh, hashtag trending. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Jack Mac is a total hack. Uh, he's a barstool personality. Before the season, he said Rutgers is the worst program in the Power Five, how they didn't deserve to have. You know, be a part of the Big Ten, blah blah blah. He's a UConn fan too, as hilarious as that sounds. So I just t- I just posted the the hashtag in the chat. It's just hashtag thank you Jack Mac, J A C K M A C. Put a tweet out there uh, using that hashtag. Uh, TJ wants to get it trending. I agree. Uh, I, I really don't like that guy. Um, and I'm glad that uh, we showed him um, we showed him up today. Good. But- it's a good day. It's a great, great day.
1: Great day to great be a Rutgers day. fan, and period, just like you said. Not just football, but for the university, for the athletics program. And we're going to just – yeah, it hasn't probably – look, it hasn't sunk in. But like you said, it is going to be awfully nice now to just – it's it's like watching the rest of the season is going to be bonus football. All yep. It's all it's going to be. It's not, not to say that we're not going to be critical. We will. You know, we're not going to sit there and just say everything's, you know, uh, happy roses and all that kind of stuff. But I'm not going to have that pit or that weird feeling in my stomach anymore this year because I know at the end of it, we're going bowling. And we've accomplished the one thing that was the most important thing that we needed to accomplish this season.
0: So absolutely. And this is huge for recruiting. It's huge for so many reasons. I do think that it lets the entire team feel like they're playing loose. They don't have the pressure of like we've been. We haven't had a winning season in X amount of years anymore. Um, the, the final four games, you know, you obviously want to win all of them, but it's not yeah. like it's going to hold you back from playing the postseason anymore. No, I think, I think Ohio State, it's going to be the closest we're going to ever come to beating them in terms of on paper. You know we're better than we have been in a long time. They're worse than they have been in a long time, despite them getting the win today. Both offenses weren't very good. No. I think I think Penn State is incredibly overrated. They talk about a lot of people talk about Rutgers' easy schedule. I don't know if there's been an easier schedule so far this season than Penn State for a power five team. Um their quarterback's not very good. Maybe he will be one day, but he's not right now. Um I don't think I don't think the the Ohio State quarterback is anything to write home about Kyle no, not yet. Um And offensively, they're really banged up. Their offensive line is suspect. They have an incredible receiver Marvin Harrison Jr. who had a career day today. Maybe not career in terms of career highs, but one of his more standout performances today against Penn State. I think if there was going to be a chance to beat Ohio State, it's this year. You get them at home. You're coming into it off a of bye. <laughs> you know, it's probably going to you think we have be- a better
1: chance to beat Ohio State or Penn State?
0: Ohio State. So and that's only home, because home,
1: home situation.
0: The home situation. We're coming off a bye. Ohio State might be overlooking Rutgers. Um, not saying they will or will not be, but I mean, they're playing, they played Penn State today. They're playing at Wisconsin next week. It'll be four straight games for them in a row. Uh, the following weeks, they play uh, Michigan State, Minnesota, and at Michigan. I don't know. I just think it sets up well for Rutgers. Um, Not saying we will beat them, but if we are going to beat them, it's going to be a year like this year. Um, I also think, you know, I think outside of the Penn State, I think Penn State is the one game on the schedule. I don't think we'll be able to, to have a chance in not saying we'll get blown up by 40, but if you're telling me, you know, Rutgers wins three of its four remaining, and I don't think that will happen. But if you were to say that, the three games I would pick were Ohio State, Iowa, and Maryland. I think Penn State is the the least likely of those three of those four. But Iowa, I feel good about too. Iowa's terrible on offense. Like if we can just like have any sort of you know offensive performance whatsoever against Ohio Iowa, and I know they have a great defense too, but their offense isn't going to do anything. They lost Cade McNamara earlier in the season to an ACL. They lost Eric All, their their leading receiver. Uh, They're their tight end, their top uh tight end to an ACL last week. Like they're not a good team. It's just is their defense gonna shut us down worse than our defense shuts them down? That's kind of the question. And then Maryland, I thought the first few games, Maryland was gonna be, you know, a potential big East, uh big ten East dark horse. And then they've kind of fallen apart a bit. So I think they're beatable, but You're they right. have a great offense. I think I think offense is harder to stop than defense. So I I I am going out on a limb here. I think the Iowa game we have a better chance in than the Maryland game, but we will see. Well, say.
1: we'll f- and we'll find out today too because Minnesota is not necessary. I, I don't even know if Minnesota. I, I think we're on par or maybe better than Minnesota. So mm-hmm. if they can give Iowa a tough game today on the road, that's going to tell us a lot. Yep. Look look, we, we 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 kind of feel that this year could be the year that they win that one game that nobody's expecting them to win. Of course, we'd love it to be Penn State or Ohio State, but yep. we'll take Iowa on the yep. road. Definitely we'll do that. But uh that's the thing. That's the only other thing. Like when the season's over and we're wondering and we're talking about how, how we what we thought about the regular season for Rutgers. That's going to be the only thing that I think is that is going to be, uh you know, good or bad is did they beat that opponent that they weren't supposed to beat? And I, that now yeah. the holes in the bag. Now that's the next step.
0: Yeah. We got the bowl. We're looking for that signature moment, which a lot of people have pointed out. Like there isn't really a signature moment. You, we can point to in Shiana's 2.0 era. I think the closest you have, maybe the Michigan state game is I first agree. game back. Yep. That was the big, but one. even that, Even that, like that season was weird. I think everything that happened in the COVID year, you kind of have to look at with an asterisk. Um, And then, you know, how long did it take for Shiano to get his first home win in the big 10? I want to say we didn't have a big 10 home game, a big 10 home win until last year. Um, If memory serves me right.
1: Um, How many have we had now? So we beat Michigan State. Anybody uh, last year? So we, didn't, we beat not We didn't have one in
0: 20. We didn't have one in 21. <laughs> Just Indiana. That's it. Mm-hmm. So last year we got our first Big Ten home win under Shiano. That was against Indiana. And then this year we've had several. So kudos to Shiano so we and got staff and team. So yeah. now we have – we have three big 10 home wins uh, under Shiana but the quality of the opponent needs to step up yeah and, and this is you know it took four years to, for us to make this step but we have made that step but I think we also have to put in context how bad of a situation Shiana stepped into with you know Kyle flood getting compounded by Chris Ash um you know think of how much we wanted flood out of here after four years of him then we get Kyle, or we get Chris Ash. <laughs> it got and worse. It's it got ten times worse. So, yeah. um, baby steps, as uh, Ignacio saying. Um. W- yeah. W- somebody asked where the haters are that we're asking where uh, that were saying Rutgers shouldn't be in the Big Ten before the season. They are now pretending to like wave their pom poms on the sideline between Jack Mack that hack Stuart Mandel, who wrote like you know, a hit piece that was citing like 10 year old information about how Rutgers joining the big 10 was the worst decision in the realignment era, which is total crap because the big 10 has made so much money off of Rutgers inclusion in the big 10. It's not even funny because there was tens of millions of households that now had access to the big 10 network, which is hundreds of millions of dollars in TV revenue. They've added plus not for nothing, a lot of their bigger, you know, shinier name programs. As as much as it pains me, they got an easy win against Rutgers every year. So it was padding them yep. up into that upper echelon too, giving them an extra easy conference win. Not that that's like something I take pride in, but that's true. And if you look at every single Rutgers program, every single one has elevated itself since joining the Big Ten, without question. Every single program. And you could say, well, football really hasn't. And football, you know, you can make the argument that they haven't, but basketball, baseball, uh, both soccer programs, field hockey, wrestling. Think of all the accolades they've had since they joined the Big Ten: two national champions in, in wrestling, a Big Ten title in men's soccer, a Big Ten title in women's soccer, a Big Ten title in field hockey, the number one seed in the NCAA tournament in field hockey, our rowing programs regularly ranked, our baseball team had its most ever single season regular season wins under uh, the current coach two years ago. Like it is kind of an unprecedented level of success. Like volleyball had its first ever win against a ranked opponent two weeks ago. Like it goes on and on. Like this is just, I don't know if there's a bigger success story of conference realignment than Rutgers. So I don't know how he formed. He just formulated that, that whole article around football and that's it. When which did he just shows you how was it? He, he published this article in August. This past um, August? This past August, yes. Wow.
1: Okay. Yeah. I hope he got some uh, pushback. after it was- He got
0: a lot of pushback from Rutgers fans. Uh, I think Richie got blocked by Stuart Mandel <laughs> for some of the things that he said. Uh, uh, go Richie! Go Richie. a boy. Add some to his list of uh, people that he stood up to uh, for talking out of their ass. But- awesome. Yeah. So,
1: well, that's the thing. Like you said, it's, everybody looks at the football program and that's just not, it doesn't a athletic, uh, you know, an athletic program make just a football program. Mm -hmm. Yes. It's the number one, but there's more to it. And then all you got to take a look at is the basketball program. And if you don't, if you, if you haven't figured out that from the basketball program, I mean, please.
0: Yeah. I mean, they haven't, they didn't make the NCAA tournament for 30 years and,
1: yeah, and we should have probably been in the last four. And yep, what was that? What was it? the one I get? Athlon, I think it is. I forget. Oh, Lindy's, which I like. I like the Lindy's mm-hmm. guide. It's pretty simple. They didn't even have. They didn't even put Rutgers in the tournament this year. I like, come on, You're putting teams like Clemson in. And whatever I mean, don't you keep, don't you have you figured it out yet? What's going on at Rutgers and the coach and the players he develops and so forth and so on? It's like every year you got to fight this, but again, I guess that's what it is until they until they prove themselves or until this new class comes and we put a real big kick in the ass on everybody. I guess that's just where it's going to be.
0: I honestly think Pyke thrives on that underdog, like nobody believes in us, kind of uh, tactic. So I don't mind that the national media is sleeping on Rutgers again because I think Paykel really plays that well with his team. Um, But the opposite is going to be true next year when we do have Ace Bailey, who's the number two ranked recruit in the country, when we likely have Dylan Harper, who's the number three ranked recruit in the country, when we land most likely a really high-rated transfer kid, because I don't know of any transfers. I'm not saying there is one that's silently committed, but there's going to be people who want to come in and play with this team. Absolutely. And Cliff has another year of eligibility. I don't think he comes back, but like if, you know, we get enough money donated in NIL where it's financially makes sense for him to come back. Can I see it happening? Yeah. But right now, probably not. But he has that eligibility year. He might go, wait a second. Why would I leave now? Look what's coming. Why would you leave now? I have the opportunity to legitimately... Have a national championship caliber basketball team and be a part of it, be a centerpiece there. Yep. Because he is so disruptive on the defensive end in terms of rebounding, in terms of block shots, in terms of affected shots that, like, yeah, it would be a, an incredible uh, turn of events if he did come back. I don't want to set people's expectations that he will. Sure. I'm just saying the year of eligibility is there. And, you know, we can dream. (laughs) That's all it
1: is. And why not? That's what this time is. It's about dreaming. And I think that these dreams are going to start coming into reality. So I can't wait for the basketball season to begin uh, because I'm expecting. That's what's so great now is that I'm expecting the team to be in the tournament this year.
0: Yeah. And that's that's a weighty expectation. It's also a privilege to have those expectations. Yeah. Fans are excited enough to think my team is going to be really good this year. And if they're not, I'm going to be bummed out, yeah. not like maybe they'll be good this year. I know that they're blah, blah, blah. But that, that expectation is a privilege. And I think she, and I think that Michael knows that. And I think Michael really kind of respects that, that, you know, we have to even push harder now that those expectations are there, that we can't really rest on what we've accomplished in the past because, you know, we want to take this even further. he's got, three shelves above his, his desk in his office. Um, all covered in plexiglass. One is for his first NCAA tournament win, which he got. The other is for his first final four appearance. And his other is for his first national championship game. Love it. First national championship. The other two obviously are empty, but those are the expectations he carries for this program. So very exciting times. Um, I don't know if there's been a better times, better time in Rutgers history to be a fan. So, uh, Enjoy this right now, guys, because it is a golden era for sure. Yeah, because um, I
1: was even looking in the uh, when I was going over the preview of like who are the top teams in the nation this year, and I'm and I'm just saying, I mean, like there there were like let's just when you see programs that have made a run, like even the one team that sticks out is Miami. I mm-hmm. mean, wait a second, they made a run to the Final Four. They were a Final Four team. You know what? If Miami, if that program could put the Final Four uh, uh, together with their history, well, we certainly could do that as well. And that's, that's the kind of bar that I think we should set now. It's not like 20, 30 years ago when all of the top programs, it was always the you know, the big boys and you had to get through them to get to a, a, a Final Four or whatever. It was always the big name program. That's, that's just not the case anymore. It's yep. wide open. And when you see teams like Miami get to it, why can't Rutgers? So that's how I feel. I'm sure that's what the base feels, and I know we're gonna get it. We just have to make that first big run in the tournament. We have to, because that's 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 the big thing. Because until you do that, you, you just don't know if you can, and it's not easy. Yep. So yeah, we gotta Definitely get a not. break, get get a nice seating break, or get a nice break where you know you can have uh, a nice path and you know, make that first step a reality, get the, get the fan base, uh, and and that'll just boost recruiting even more. And all of a sudden you're in your first sweet 16 or you're in your first elite eight, and then you could think big.
0: So anyway, unfortunately that that opportunity was there uh, in, I think, 2021. um, When they beat Clemson in the first round, they played uh, a two seed in Houston. They were up like Uh, nine points. They missed uh, a dunk. uh. And then if you look at the route that Houston took to the final four that year, The next in the the Sweet 16, I believe, they played a Syracuse team that Rutgers beat pretty handily earlier in the year. Um, And then I think they played like a really high seed in the Elite Eight as well. Um, I think that was 20. I think that's 21. Yeah, it was 21. It was 2021. Yeah. Um, yeah, those opportunities, they don't come around often. You got to seize them when they they present themselves.
1: Yeah, and but. I certainly hope it presents itself uh, real soon because we, uh, we can use that, no question. And yep. like you said, we should be expecting it, and I think we are. So can't wait to see you guys uh, put out your official preview show of the season. That'll be coming up soon. So I'm looking forward to watching that and uh, seeing you guys ra- uh, talk about the basketball team all season. That's uh, yeah. that's uh, there are a lot of games. What are there? 28 games.
0: There is 31 regular season games. Um, and then the postseason tournaments, you have your big 10 tournament and then you have, uh, you know, whatever you end up making, whether yeah. it be the NIT, whether it be the NCAA tournament, Um uh, it's an awesome season. I, I just love that there's two, three games a week sometimes. So you have yeah. something to look forward to a few times a week rather than just once a week. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. So that's about 35, give or take. So
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah, I can't wait. And next month, Rutgers will be playing some big games, including Ohio State. So that's the next time we're going to be doing a post-game show. We'll be the first Saturday in November. And Rutgers
0: basketball. When do they play? It's a big weekend. That weekend, the first basketball game of the season is a neutral site game against Princeton on November sixth. Tickets are still available. It's basically the only affordable ticket left on the uh, available for purchase. If you want to go to cool. a basketball game at the rack, it's gonna you're gonna pay through the nose for it. But the tickets are still pretty widely available for the the Rutgers Princeton game um so buy your tickets now while they're still available uh but outside of that you're going to be paying a lot of money to see Rutgers basketball this year because they are sold out of every game there's a wait list for season tickets right now um and I don't see that changing anytime soon so yeah
1: I agree that's
0: awesome that's that's great what a weekend Ohio
1: State then kick off the college basketball season a couple days later where's the game
0: the game's in uh cure arena in Trenton
1: Oh, who so, plays there? Anyone?
0: Nobody does. It's just a, it's a multi-purpose arena that okay. Rutgers um, and, and Princeton are playing the renewal of the rivalry at. Um, awesome. Love so. it.
1: Great first week in November. There you go. Yep. So when we talk again on November 4th, uh, we will have, well, again, I'm not sure you're going to be on. The only way you're going to be on November 4th, is if they beat Ohio State because you're you're gonna I mean I'm gonna make sure Richie uh, sets it up. I'm <laughs> gonna say you got to make you better make you. I want this post game on site with the fans enjoying yourself because look, it's not gonna happen. The odds of it happening are gonna be pretty high, but we we, we can dream, and and I want to prepare for the dream, in case the dream mm-hmm. happens. So we take advantage of the dream as best as possible. So. Hopefully, I I see you in in, in two weeks, because if not, then I'll see you, I guess, uh, after that. when they uh, Who's after that? Is that Iowa? After that?
0: Um, After that, they play at Iowa on November 11th. They play at Penn State the following week, November 18th. They close the season at home versus Maryland on November 25th. None of those times have been announced yet. The Ohio State game should get announced this week. Typically it's I believe eleven days ahead of a game, they typically announce the times. Okay. So that should be Tuesday or Wednesday normally. Um, so we shall see. Hopefully it's not a have new a video game. Hopefully on Tuesday, right? We will have a recap. Yep. We'll we'll talk some basketball. I'm sure there's some recruiting stuff that'll come up. Uh, unsure the full bye week schedule, but we will have plenty of content for you guys, like always. Um I want to thank everybody for coming on here. We had a pretty big crowd uh, for this post-game show. I want to thank anybody who has liked, rated, reviewed, subscribed, donated in the chat, commented. You guys are awesome. We really appreciate you guys joining us. We love doing this, and it wouldn't be nearly as fun if we didn't have engagement and if we didn't have you guys here along with us. So I want to thank you guys sincerely for, for joining us each and every week. Absolutely. Appreciate it. Uh, Mike, thanks for doing this. Uh,
1: we we'll hopefully see you in a couple of weeks, but we'll, we'll, we'll talk soon. We'll talk in November. I know that for sure.
0: Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers.